neighbor, and welcome today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there by SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others. We're just so very pleased and happy to have you with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Revelation. I know it's going to be a blessing to you. If it is, like it and share it with others. You can also go over to establishedinthefaith.com, and if you go there, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast as well. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to contact us with any questions and comments that you may have. Well, we're going to go on into our study now, picking it up in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 1. We hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. the 20th chapter of the book of Revelation. If you have your Bibles and would like to turn there, follow along with us. Revelation chapter 20, verse 1 is where we're going to pick it up at tonight. Revelation 20, in verse 1, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is called the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Now this happens either during or at the end of the battle of Armageddon. When Jesus comes back at the second coming, at the battle of Armageddon, uh, at some point in time, it could be... During the battle or at the end of the battle, this angel is going to come down with this chain in his hand and bind up the devil. And he's going to lock him away. Jesus is about to set up his kingdom now to rule and reign. And uh, before that can happen, Satan has to be locked away. Now, many think that Satan is locked away now in hell. But the Bible teaches us that he is not. If you will, go to Job chapter 1. I think we have looked at these scriptures before. But it's always good to go back and refresh ourselves. And to uh, make sure we stay up on things. Sometimes people think the devil's in hell, but he's not. He's not yet. That's where he's going. Job chapter 1, let's go down to verse 6. Job 1 and verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. Now here in this verse, we see where Satan has access to heaven. Now you don't think of the devil being in heaven. But he is. He has access to heaven. All right, look at verse 7. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. Satan is on this earth. And he's doing his business. And business is good right now. If you look at the world situation Uh, That's what he's doing. He's also called the prince of the power of the air in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2. 
but uh, he's also called the dragon, the old serpent, the devil, and Satan here in uh, verse 2 of Revelation chapter 20. Now, these names portray the various ways in which Satan has appeared to men down through the many ages. And as the dragon, he shows his power. As a serpent, he shows his cunning back in the Garden of Eden. As the devil, he's the accuser of the brethren. And as Satan, he's the adversary. All of these names are used of Satan. Now, he's bound up for a thousand years, the Scripture says. Uh, that is the period of time in which Jesus will be ruling and reigning in this world. Now, the Lord gave this figure a thousand years. It's not symbolic of anything. Uh, he gave this figure six times to be accurate here if you look there in verse 2 verse 3 verse 4 5 and 6 and so uh, it's a literal meaning here a literal period of time that Jesus will be ruling and reigning in this world it's called the millennium or the kingdom age and the prophet Isaiah had more to say about this period of time than any other uh, prophet if you will, go over to the book of Isaiah. Let's take a look at some of the things that Isaiah said about this thousand-year period of time, the millennium. Isaiah chapter 2 is where we'll begin. Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 4. Isaiah 2 and verse 4. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. Uh, the Lord is going to be the one who decides uh, the disputes of many people uh, during that period of time. And he's going to be successful in doing it. So successful, in fact, the scripture goes on to say there in verse 4, They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. Think about the billions of dollars that is spent on weapons, the military, war. All of that's going to be done away with. That money can be used for more productive things. Um... Let's look at Isaiah chapter 4 in verse 2. Isaiah 4 verse 2. And in that day, speaking of the millennium, shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and comely for them that are escaped of Israel. Now that's talking about the, re the remnant of Israel that's left over after the battle of Armageddon. But I want you to notice the phrase there in verse 2, that the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and comely. There's not going to be any such thing as crop failure during that time. There's not going to be droughts and floods and any other kind of disaster that you can think of that 
destroys crops. It's going to be a glorious time. Uh, the animal kingdom's going to be changed. If you'll go to Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah 11 verse 6. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion, and the fatling together, and the little child shall lead them. Uh, the animal kingdom's literally going to be put back to the way it was before the fall. Verse 7, And the cow and the bear shall feed. Their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The carnivorous animals, meat-eating animals, their nature is going to be changed back to what God originally intended for it to be. Um, verse 8, The sucking child shall play on the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. Even the serpent's going to be changed at this time. Uh, he'll still be crawling on the ground. Uh, Upon thy belly shalt thou go all the days of thy life is the curse that the Lord put upon the serpent there in the Garden of Eden. But the poisonous aspect of the serpent will be changed at that time. And a uh, glorious time is going to be. Verse 9. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The Lord's going to be ruling and reigning from Jerusalem. And the knowledge of the Lord is going to go out from this uh, part of the world. And just think about what all the Lord knows. The knowledge of the Lord shall cover the earth. A lot of the problems that we have is going to be solved. Now you think of what I'm telling you. A lot of the problems that they sit up there in Washington and try to solve, and it seems like when they solve one problem, they just aggravate another problem and make it worse. But you ain't got to worry about that when the Lord is ruling and reigning. His knowledge is going to go out all over the world at that time. Uh, verse 10. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. Now this is the fulfillment of the promise that the Lord gave to David in Second Samuel chapter 7. The Lord is the root of David, or the root of Jesse and the son of David, and he's going to fulfill that particular scripture. Go to Isaiah chapter 24. The sun and the moon is going to be affected at this time. Isaiah chapter 24. Move down to verse 23. Isaiah 24, verse 23. Then the moon shall be confounded, and the sun ashamed, when the Lord of hosts shall reign in Mount Zion, 
and in Jerusalem and before his ancients gloriously. Flip over a couple of chapters to Isaiah 30. Verse 26, Isaiah 30, verse 26, moreover, the light of the moon shall be as the light of the sun. Think of that. The moon is going to be shining as bright as the sun is now. And the light of the sun shall be sevenfold as the light of seven days. In the day that the Lord bindeth up the breach of his people and healeth the stroke of their womb. Now, we learn from this verse that there is healing in light. There's healing properties in light. The whole earth is going to be healed at this time with the increase of light. So what is going to happen to cause this increase of light all around the world at this time? Go to Isaiah chapter 25. I'm going to show you what it is. Isaiah chapter 25, verse 7. Isaiah 25 and verse 7, and he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all the people and the veil that is spread over all nations. Let me read that again. And he, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all people and the veil that is spread over all nations. Due to the fall, there seems to be a covering cast, a veil, so to speak, that's all around this world. And it's been placed there because of the fall. Um, I don't know exactly what verse it is, but in Genesis, right after the fall, the Lord said that man would eat of the uh, dust of the ground. He would work by the sweat of his brow. Thorns and thistles shall it uh, produce in whatever the case. Uh, something happened at the fall and this covering cast is going to be removed at that time, whatever it is. The light is going to be increased at that time. For the first time, we're going to be able to see what God originally created. So what you're looking at now, as beautiful as it is, it's more beautiful you're looking at this world. I mean, we went to the mountains here just a couple weeks ago, and it's beautiful. But you're looking at God's creation that has been subjected to 6,000 years of sin and pollution. I remember reading back some time ago, it was back in the 40s and 50s, when you went up on the parkway, you could look out across those mountains and you could see a lot further then than you can now. That's because of the pollution and, and all of that. 
and a lot of trees are being destroyed because of acid rain and, and all of this kind of stuff. The Lord's going to do away with that during the millennium. He's going to take that away. Now, right now, our government is doing all kind of things to cut emissions and global warming and all of this kind of stuff. And it's costing us a lot of money, a lot of tax money. I mean, they're talking about giving cows a pill to keep them uh, from... <laughs> expelling gas, if you will, because they say that gas from the cow is destroying the ozone. I want you to think about how stupid that is. Never mind the volcanoes out there that is blowing up ash up in the sky. I mean, one vo volcano erupting does more damage than a, than a cow. I mean, really? And you and I are the ones that's having to foot the bill on this. The earth belongs to the Lord. And nothing's going to happen what the Lord don't know about it, okay? And uh, when this time comes, he's going to speak the word and he's going to do away with global warming, okay? So don't worry about the earth is just going to incinerate and be destroyed. Okay, let's look at Isaiah 25 verse 8. And he, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, will swallow up death in victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces. Sound familiar? And the rebuke of his people shall he take away. From off all the earth, for the Lord hath spoken it. He's just going to speak the word. That's all he has to do. Is speak the word. And it's done. Now, death is not going to be taken away completely during this time. Because you're going to have people living during the millennium that will not accept Christ as their Savior, and they'll be given ample opportunity to get saved. But at a, certain at a certain point in time, the Lord's going to say, enough's enough, and they're going to die, and they'll go to hell. But death, as it pertains to those of us that are saved, is going to be done away with. We won't have to worry about that anymore. All right, go to Isaiah chapter 35. Isaiah 35, verse 1. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it. The excellency of Carmel and Sharon shall they see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. Today, many nations of the world cannot, they cannot feed themselves because of the desert areas that is in their particular part of the world. But during that time, 
the glory of the Lord is going to cause the desert areas to blossom. It's going to become an area where people can plant crops and they can feed themselves and whatever the case. That's going to be a glorious time. Look at verse 5. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame leap as a harp, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. There's not going to be any more sickness and disease during that time. There won't be a need for doctors. There won't be a need for pharmacies. There won't be a need much for funeral homes anymore. You know, when the economy went bad back some time ago, a lot of places went out of business. But the funeral business is always going to be around till Jesus comes back. When Jesus comes back, he's going to solve that problem. He's going to solve sickness and disease. Cancer will be defeated. You won't need Obamacare and insurance or anything else. You're going to have the blessed assurance. Glory to God. Wonderful time. All right, let's go back to Revelation 20 and verse 3. Let's, let's back up and get a good running start. Let's go back up to verse 1. I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent which is called the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And then after that he must be loosed, a little season. With Satan being locked away, you're going to see a big difference in this world. You're looking, look at the way things are now. And then just some of the things we've just looked at here in the book of Isaiah. Of how the world is going to be then. It's as much difference as night and day. And all of that is because Satan's been locked away and Jesus Christ is ruling and reigning. There's not going to be any more pain and suffering. No more sickness, death, destruction. No more car wrecks, accidents, sorrow, poverty. Everybody's going to be a millionaire when that time comes. And it's all because Jesus is ruling and reigning in this world. But after the thousand-year period, Satan's going to be loosed for a little season. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us a whole lot about that. We don't know how long that season is going to be. Uh, verses 7, 8, and 9 deal with it a little bit in greater detail, and we'll just take a look at that uh, when we get to it. Um, look at verse 4, Revelation 20, verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. 
Now, this is the 24 elders of Revelation chapter 4 and verse 4. They represent all of those who were saved from the time of Adam and Eve right on up to the first resurrection. Now, there are several parts to the first resurrection. And I want to take a few minutes and look at that. There's the general rapture of the church that could take place at any moment. If you look down in Revelation 20 and verse 6, it says, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. So that proves that there are different parts to the first resurrection. Now, the first part is going to be the rapture of the church which could take place at any moment. You can find that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We believe that the rapture takes place in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1. If you'll flip over there and take a look at that. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1. John said, After this I looked. And behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show you the things which must be hereafter. That is where we believe that the rapture of the church will take place. That is the general rapture. Then we have the rapture of the 144,000 Jews. That is in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 5. Speaking about the man-child, Revelation 12 verse 5. And she, talking about Israel, brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with the rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. That is the rapture of the 144,000 Jews. That's the second part of the first resurrection. The third part is going to be the rapture of the tribulation saints. That's found in Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 14. Revelation 7, verse 9, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne, and about the elders and the four beasts, and fell before the throne on their faces, and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving, honor and power and might 
be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. That's the rapture of the tribulation saints. Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 14. The last part of the first resurrection is going to be the two witnesses. Revelation chapter 11, verse 11. Now the two witnesses will come on the scene somewhere around the midpoint of the tribulation period. Um, Some believe that it will be Enoch and Elijah. Some think it may be Moses and Elijah. But be that as it may, we know that Elijah is going to be one of them. And Enoch, I believe, will be the other witness. But they will be in this world at that time. They will be anointed by the Holy Spirit. Whatever they say will come to pass at that time period of time for the last three and a half years of the tribulation period. Uh, they'll turn water into blood, call fire down out of heaven, and just do all kind of miracles. They'll be preaching the gospel at that time as well. But in Revelation 11 and verse 11, they're going to be killed. And verse 11 says, And after three days and a half, The spirit of life from God entered into them, talking about the two witnesses. And they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. Now, All who take part in the first resurrection is going to rule and reign with Christ over this world in some way. So there are those who believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, post-tribulation rapture, and a rapture at the end of the tribulation period. I believe in all three. Because there's going to be a catching away all during that period of time. There's four parts to the first resurrection or rapture. Some people don't believe in a rapture because the word rapture is not found in the, in the Bible. But uh, the word resurrection is. Resurrection and rapture is, is the same, same word meaning the same thing. So you've got your general rapture which could take place at any moment. I got my glad bags packed. I'm ready to go. And uh, then you've got the second part, which will be the 144,000 Jews. They'll get saved during the first half of the tribulation period. At some point in time, you're going to have the rapture of the tribulation saints. That's going to be a group of people that get saved during the tribulation period. They're going to be raptured out. And then you have the rapture of the two witnesses at the end of the tribulation period. So that's all the parts. And Revelation 20, verse 6, 
Blessed is he who has part in the first resurrection. All right, let's finish up with verse 4 there. Revelation 20, verse 4, the second part of that. And uh, we'll wrap it up for tonight. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. There we have that term again, a thousand years. But these people, they were not saved because they didn't take the mark. They were not saved because they didn't worship the beast. These people were saved because their faith was in Jesus Christ and what he did at Calvary's cross. We can see that there, the witness of Jesus and the word of God. So these are people that got saved and what you're seeing here as far as not worshiping the beast and taking the mark is the outward sign or expression that they had gotten saved. Now, their lives are at stake. They accepted Christ. They wouldn't take the mark. They got the heads chopped off. But the Bible says they lived. They lived. This body is only temporary. You're going to live forever. The question is, where? These people are up in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, these people are also, because they were saved, they're going to receive a glorified body just like you and I will. They're going to be raptured out as well. When will they go? I don't know. They may go up with the tribulation saints. They may go up with the two witnesses when they're raptured out at the end of the tribulation period. But these individuals, whomever they are, that were martyred, they were beheaded uh, for the cause of Christ, they're going to receive a glorified body at some point in time, and they're going to rule and reign with Christ as well. And those that are carried over into the millennium, they're going to be natural people. They did not take the mark of the beast. They did not die at the battle of Armageddon. They're going to go right on into the millennium. There'll be millions of people on the, in the world at that time. They were not killed by the judgments that came upon this world. They're going to live and go right on into the millennium. And they'll be given the opportunity to get saved. Many of them will be saved. And we'll just deal with that a little bit later on. If the program today has been a blessing to you, we hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to establishedinthefaith.com, click on the Donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.